Hello, this is Bill Warner with another podcast on anything and everything related to political Islam. So, let's welcome our guest, uh, Dr. Bill Warner. Hello, sir. How are you? Doing well. How are you, sir? I'm good. So, today we will discuss uh, uh, that how Islam is going politically and uh, uh, how we should stop it because uh, uh, we can see that there are uh, there are riots going on in Sweden because uh, some people burn Quran and now um, we are seeing that Muslims are burning vehicles, they are uh, they are attacking people. More than 40 people have been arrested after that uh, violent clashes in Sweden. Um, and uh, Muslims are dominating the in the West. Uh, there are more than 9,000 cases every year of female circumcision in England alone. So female's uh, genital mutilation is illegal. Female circumcision is illegal, but still uh, it's happening. And uh, we can't do anything to stop it. So this, this stage is yours. Uh, so how we could stop this uh, Islam? Well, first, we're going to have to define what Islam is. People, I'm a scientist, and you need to use precise definitions for your words. And when I talk to people about Islam, sometimes they start talking about this nice Muslim that they met and that how he was a wonderful person. But this confuses Islam with the Muslim. These are two very different things. Islam is the doctrine consisting of the Quran, the Sirah, the life of Muhammad, and the Hadith, his traditions. So you first need to understand what you're talking about. Sun Tzu in the Art of War said, first know your enemy. And this is something that we have not done. Let me give you an example. We fought a war for 20 years in Afghanistan. We had 18 different generals. We lost that war because of one simple reason. We were unable to ever ask who is the enemy? I read, a doc, I read a document that was put out by one of the leading generals on how to defeat, how to win in Afghanistan. So I read the document. Not once anywhere in this strategic document was there the word Muslim, Islam, Jihad. Now, how are you going to defeat some enemy that you don't even know who the enemy is? You simply can't do that. So similarly, if we're to defeat Islam, we have to decide who we're dealing with. Let me give you another example. Donald Trump said that he would back uh, Ahmet, what is his name? Oz, I'm, his last name is Oz, he's Muslim. So here we have, Donald Trump recommending a Muslim for the job of Senate. Well, this is terrible. But Trump doesn't know anything about Islam. So as a consequence, it has, to him, since Mehmet is a good-looking gentleman, looks good on camera, then if he stands a chance of winning, Trump's going to back him. But we need to see that with the Muslim comes the Sharia. 
And we also have with the Muslim another thing. Muslims in the United States are what I call a politically protected class. I can say something about Christianity that's an insult and I'll hear nothing from no one. But if I say something about Islam, that it's an insult. And it doesn't even have to be an insult. It could be the truth. For instance, I did a video on YouTube on the consequences of inbreeding in Islam because inbreeding is allowed under Islam. Well, the Muslims complained and it was taken down. The point is, is that nothing that I said could not be found either in statistical analysis in Denmark, which is the country I use for inbreeding, or in the Quran. So as a consequence, all the Muslim needs to do is just to complain and he gets his way. The other thing we're going to have to have is we need to choose our battles. And I think that running for politics is one of the best ways to do that. And let me explain to you why. Right now, I am, for instance, you mentioned the book Sharia Law for Non-Muslims. It was at one time the number one bestseller on Amazon. But then there came a, a complaint from Muslims. And so all of a sudden the book disappeared. You could still order the book on Amazon but it was no longer recommended as the number one bestseller. Why? Because Muslims complained. So we have to realize that we have to fight this in a difficult way. And when people run for office, they have a public forum. I'm shadow banned on many, on Facebook, Twitter, I don't know where else. But if you're running for office, let's say you're running for a senator in the state of Tennessee, you have to have meetings and we can go to those meetings and hand out brochures, treat the Islam, political Islam as just so it's another party and campaign against them. As I say, the beauty of it is, is that they can't throw you out of the room because it's a political campaign and everyone gets to come to a political campaign. To do this, however, we cannot do it with one person alone. I worked night and day dealing with political Islam and have done so since 9-11, 2001. But I cannot defeat Islam. I work as hard as I can, but I personally will never defeat Islam. We're trying to defeat an army and we need our own groups to do this with. One person cannot win this war. We have to have, uh, we have, to have people to fight with us. So let me give you an example of how this is being done successfully, except it's not on political campaigns. There's a wonderful man in California called Steve Amundsen. Every Friday, he goes to a shopping mall in the food court. Now, the Supreme Court of California has said that the shopping malls, food courts, are a place where free speech is honored. So he takes a, a three by three table, takes, goes with two or three other people to the shopping mall, and hands out brochures. He'll hand out as many as a thousand brochures on a, on a Friday night. This is a courageous man and he's doing what I'm talking about. That is, he's impacting people because people take his brochures. Some Muslims take the brochures and read them. Other times Muslims yell at him and curse at him. But those who want to take the brochures and read them, they learn something about Islam and they thank him for this. So even this wonderful man has about three or four other people he works with. No one can do it alone. 
So that's sort of a summary of mine as to what we're going to do. But we have to convince our friends and neighbors and family that this is important. Because what is happening is, is in the United States, we're slowly getting more and more Sharia. Now, when I say more and more Sharia, that means, for instance, that I'm a Kafir. One of the things I like about your website is you declare yourself a proud Kafir. And I think that the language is one of the things we must control. I always use the word Kafir. I tell, my, I tell people, when I'm, particularly when I'm dealing with Muslims, I'm a Kafir. And they say, oh, you don't understand. I say, yes, I do understand. Allah thinks I'm a Kafir. You think I'm a Kafir. I'm a filthy Kafir. And so one of the things we need to educate people about is that one simple word. We need to use the right language. That's the other thing we need to do. As an example, Osama bin Laden was not a radical Muslim. He was a normative Muslim. Everything he did imitated Muhammad. So to defeat Islam, we need to recognize what a danger it is to our society because under, under Sharia law, a man can beat his wife. Well, under our laws, you can't beat your wife. That's a crime. So which laws are we going to obey? We can't obey them both. You either beat your wife or you don't. So we need to see that we're doing something that's very important here. Our free speech, which is becoming less and less free. Sharia does not allow free speech. Freedom does, Sharia does not allow freedom of religion. So we need to understand the nature of our enemy and we need to understand the importance of defeating our enemy. Because if we do not defeat political Islam, the part of Islam that deals with us, the Kafir, we will cease to exist as a civilization. Now you may say, well, that's an exaggeration. No, I don't, it's not an exaggeration. Look at history. When Islam invaded Turkey, it was Christian. Now then it's 99.9% .9 Muslim. It took centuries, but it happened. That's the other secret that Islam has, <clears throat> is they have infinite patience. We want to get it done in six weeks time, but we can't do it that way. And we also have to be cheerful in, in our work. One of the things that I admire about Islam is, is that the Muslims never get defeated. They're always willing if in, a, in a loss to go back and try again. Take for example, on September, 1, two, September 11, 2001, that was a terrible PR disaster for Islam. Muslims bombing the World Trade Center. But three to four days later, the phones began to ring all across the United States with, with calling churches saying that we, I'm, my name is, for instance, Ahmed, and we would like to come to your church to talk to you about Islam, the religion of peace. Think about that. In four days time, they were able to put together a national campaign so Muslims are infinitely patient, and they're always they're they can never they never get down in the dumps. They never get depressed. They're always willing to go to war. So those are some of my thoughts on why we need to defeat Islam and how Islam can be defeated. I agree with you. Um, and recently, your website has been blogged by Taliban. Means they want to completely censor you. They completely censor your literature and everything. You are blogged on Twitter. So both extremists and secular people uh, or liberal people or so-called liberal people are censoring our voice. They, are, they don't want uh, us to be heard. Yeah, tell me about it. So sometimes censored. these people are more dangerous. 
Repeat, sir. Uh, I said the, these people who are so-called liberals are more dangerous. We have enemy outside and we have enemy inside. I agree with you completely. I agree with you completely. Everyone knows a nice Muslim. And they may truly be nice, but that does not mean it is a nice Islam. Because it depends on how much of Islam they practice. <clears throat> Islam is very dualistic. It has on almost all subjects, something good to say and something bad to say. So you, a Muslim can always sound like they need to sound. If they need a nice story, they have a, they have a nice story to tell about how Muhammad did this or that and how he was a wonderful father or something like that. But we need to understand that Islam is dangerous to our society. Egypt used to be a Christian nation, not primarily Muslim. So they're infinitely patient. We need to decide, we need to find a group to work with or make a group to work with, but this is a deadly thing to our society, simply because the Sharia allows the destruction of things such as freedom of speech, freedom of religion, mercy killings are allowed. The way they're allowed is it doesn't say to do it, but it says there's no penalty if a parent kills their child. So, but people look at, most people, many people look at me and say, oh, he's just a racist, hater, bigot, Islamophobe. I find this interesting that people are willing to give up their civilization just simply because somebody might say you're a racist, hater, bigot, Islamophobe. I've been called all these things. Not, I am none of them. But therefore, I don't feel touched when people call me a bigot. I've realized it's, it's just the only way they have to argue. They don't know enough about Islam to support it. And so I'm left, we have to get over the fear of being called names. I'm sure you've been called names as well. Uh, even Amazon actually, uh, is, even Amazon is uh, hiding your books, means if we search your books, uh, uh, we are not getting them in search results. So um, even, uh, even Amazon, uh, this uh, huge platform is uh, censoring your stuff because it may hurt uh, uh, feelings of Muslims. <laughs> so even the, the secular society uh, is supporting Islam and supporting Islam indirectly means that you are not secular. You are against secularism if you are supporting Islam. I respect human rights of Muslims, but uh, promoting this religion indirectly could lead towards a huge destruction. We will one day lose our freedom. We will lose one day uh, we may lose our life as well. We may we may lose everything we have. Well, look at Turkey. Christianity is basically dead there. And this will happen in the United... When you talk to people about, oh, this can happen in the United States, they look at me like, are you crazy? I know some Muslims and they're nice. And besides that, there's not that many Muslims in the United States. They're coming more and more every day. And let me be clear, Muslims by themselves may be nice people. As a matter of fact, I find that there are many Muslims, and I, you know this better than I, many Muslims don't really understand what Islam is. 
They've never read the Quran. They've never read the Sirah. They've never read, they've heard of a few hadiths which make Muhammad look good. So these are some things we need to deal with. Yes, and recently we see so many things happening around the world, like, um, oh, let me share that uh, in India, um, Muslims murder railway police head const uh, constable in Jammu and Kashmir. There are riots uh, happening uh, everywhere in India. Um, uh, Islamic Republic of Iran gives converts to Christianity five-year prison for deviant propaganda. So many people had been sentenced for five-year uh, imprisonment because they converted into Christianity. Um, Muslims murder five soldiers in National Park. That's what happened in Nigeria. And in Nigeria, Muslims attack Christian villages, murder at least 80 people. Um, on 19th April, but no media is talking about this issue. And in India, in uh, Muslims target yet another Hindu festival that is Hanuman Janmotsav. And in Sweden, we are see we are seeing that riots are happening. Means um, uh, BBC is also talking about it. Dozens arrested at Sweden riots sparked by planned Quran burnings. Uh, uh, more than 40 people have been arrested after violent clashes in Sweden. So, because of Muslim world, world is in trouble. And uh, according to Islam, if you read um, uh, Surah Al Imran, verse 28, if you read this commentary from Tafsir ibn Kasir, I'm reading it from Quran.com. It uh, says that do uh, it says uh, in in this commentary uh, uh, unless you in, in indeed uh, fear uh, a danger from them means meaning you cannot uh, make a disbeliever your friends uh, but you could make them your friends only if you fear danger from them means if uh, except those believers who are in some areas or times fear for their safety from the disbeliever in this case such believers are allowed to show friendship to the disbeliever outwardly but never inwardly so you can show friendship outwardly but never inwardly and for instance al-bukhari recorded abu darda said we smile in the face of some people although our heart curse them al-bukhari said that al-hasan said the tukiya means lying is allowed until the day of resurrection so you see there is so much hypocrisy in their uh, own scriptures um, and in their own text you cannot make a disbeliever your friends and you have to be their friend outwardly but you have to hate them inwardly and you have to curse them uh, even if you smile on their faces so there is so much hatred in this uh, cult but if we say anything bad about them we are islamophobe Right. There are, I believe, seven verses in the Quran which state that a Muslim is never the true friend of a Kafir. And now there's a big distinction between friend and friendly. If you go into a car dealership, you'll immediately meet some people who are friendly. They want to sell you a car, but they're not your friend. So we need to understand that people can say one thing and mean another. But like say, I think, th no, it's not seven, it's, there's 13 verses 
One of the things that I've done in the study of political Islam or Islam in general is to see what it emphasizes. For instance, there are 89 verses that say that Muhammad is the perfect human being and that everyone should lead their life according to him. So this means that the Quran is not the complete sacred scripture of Islam. You have the Quran, but there's not enough in the Quran to practice Buddha, not Buddhism, sorry, to practice Islam. For instance, you're to pray, but how are you to pray? So you have to go to the Hadith to find this out. So it turns out that Muhammad is more, there's more uh, in Islamic text about Muhammad than there is about Allah. 86% of the, if you take the Quran, the Sirah, and the Hadith, 86% of it is, it's, it's the total, whereas the Quran is only 14%. So Islam is 86% Muhammad and 14% Quran. Well, this means that you need to, this is good news, however, because it's easy to understand the life of Muhammad. You, the, you can find that out in many places. I sell two different books that teach you the life of Muhammad. And so you need to understand Muhammad before you understand the Quran. This is good news though, because no one can pick up the Quran and read it and understand it. It's simply not possible because you need the life of Muhammad to give things context. So we need to study the doctrine of Islam. And I have one thing to say here about uh, the Christians being killed. Christians need to gain some courage and start defending their own. When I have spoken in churches, I ask them, I say, how many Muslims have you converted? None. How many Christians are you supporting in the Middle East and Africa? None. So this is an example of where a battle must be fought and it must be fought by Christians. But Christians have gone off the end and they're just like, well, we're nice people. Well, you, not, being nice is good, but you need to be, sometimes there are things you need to do which are not nice. And Christians are not tending to their own business. They need to be fighting against Islam. But instead here in the United States, they go to these family of Abraham, bridge building, and they convince, the Muslims are very good at presenting a good, in their dawah, they're good at portraying themselves as quite attractive. And so the Christians go to the bridge building, find the family of Abraham, and they think, well, these are nice people. But they also don't know enough about Islam to even debate with the Muslims. Right after 9-11, there was a meeting here in town with a rabbi, a minister, and a Muslim imam. My wife asked, the minister says, have you read the Quran? He said, no. She asked the rabbi, have you read the Quran? He said, no. She asked the imam, have you studied the Old Testament? He said, yes, I have. Several courses I've taken on it. She said, have you read the New Testament? Yes, I have. Now, who's going to win this debate? The Muslim who has, came, who has come prepared or the Jew and the Christian who have come just to be nice and be pleasant? We need to understand that it's, being nice is good, but being nice completely is not so good. I judge a man by his enemies, and I must say that I have a lot of enemies as do you. 
but some people are afraid of, of getting having enemies. Well, if you're not having enemies, you're not offending powerful people. And so we should offend powerful people because the powerful people are the ones backing Islam. Uh, someone asked a question. Uh, his name is Anand Bharti. Asked him why Christian countries support Islamophobia narrative. Uh, They're trying to be nice. They don't want to be called racist, hater, bigots, Islamophobes. We have to have a certain toughness. One of the things that I admire about Muslims, and let me be clear here, there are some things about Islam that I think are good. And as an 81-year-old man, I think that Islam gives deference to old people. I like that because I'm old. But we need to see that there are some things about you can like about something. But the Muslims, let me give you an example. I've given a talk in which a thousand people showed up, mostly Christian, and only four Muslims showed up. They would stand up at the end of the talk in the midst of nearly a thousand Christians and then try to ask tough questions. Now, that part of my talks I like best is when they try to ask me tough questions. But the thing I like about it is, is they have the courage to show up with four people amongst a thousand Christians. Find me four Christians who would go to a group of a thousand Muslims and ask tough questions. So we need a certain toughness. And we're not, we're not doing that. Instead, we're always trying to be smile and be nice. People think that you can charm Islam to stop being Islam hasn't happened in 1400 years and it won't happen in another 1400 years. Uh, someone asked uh, that uh, how it's possible to slow the spread of Islam. I guess uh, Dr. Bill Warner says that uh, we have to identify our enemy and uh, I think we have to educate these Muslims. Burning Quran will not educate them. And uh, same thing happening in China. They are demolishing their mosque, but it will not educate them. We have to educate them using Quran, uh, Hadith, and Sirah. We should uh, educate these Muslims using their own scriptures. Uh, burning Quran will not educate them. I absolutely agree with you. I know a man. He's a, a preacher, Christian, in Australia, who has converted... 2,400 Muslims to Christianity. And how does he do that? He keeps asking them questions. And finally, they begin to realize that they don't know the answer to these questions or the answers to these questions are very painful. He educates Muslims through asking them questions about what Islam is. Over 2,000 people. So what I'm saying here is, is he shows us that this can be done and it will work. For some reason or another, it's sort of weird. People figure that any Muslim knows everything there is to know about Islam. That's certainly not true because like I say, I've asked many Muslims questions that they have no idea what the answer to is. Actually, I find that Muslims as individuals know very little about Islam. And so when you educate them about what Islam really is, it makes it difficult to be a Muslim. I think we should make it compulsory in every school or at university. We should have more workshop. We should have more. Uh, we should have more awareness uh, through online uh, media, uh, 
sources that um, uh, what is written in Quran, what is written in Hadith, uh, and we should educate Muslims uh, more about Quran and Hadith. They don't know that what what is written in their own scriptures. That's why they are following it. I sh uh, we should distribute free copies of Quran to Muslims uh, so they could read their own book and they could realize that um, it's. Uh, it's uh, full of violence and hatred, uh, uh, not an even single verse preach any humanity. Uh, there is nothing uh, good that I can find in the whole Quran. I agree with you. I think that everyone should study Quran, Sirah Hadith, particularly the Sirah. Here's the thing. The Sirah is a story. It's a biography. Everyone can understand a biography. We just, as human beings, we're built that way. So I think that everyone needs to study the life of Muhammad and find out that he married a girl when she was six years old and consummated the marriage when she was nine. That he had slaves, black slaves, white slaves, female slaves, sex slaves. So we need to understand the full nature of Islam. Let me give you an example here in the United States. Here in the United States, they think that slavery began when the slave ships arrived here in America. Well, those slaves were sold to the captain of the wooden ship, they were sold by a Muslim. Every black man and woman who came to the West Hemisphere, North America, South America, was sold by a Muslim. Well, people need to know this. There are many things that people need to know. Islam has an entire doctrine of slavery, and people need to understand that. But in particular, they should understand who Muhammad is, how he married his daughter-in-law. There's plenty to know about Muhammad, how he, he advised deception. Now, I can't stand deception, but Muhammad repeatedly advised deception if it would advance Islam. Well, people need to understand that. So they need to understand that when you're dealing with a Muslim, it is the Sunnah, the way of Muhammad, to, to, to deceive people about Islam. <clears throat> Uh, okay, uh, thanks a lot, sir, uh, for joining our stream. Any last words uh, for viewers uh, so before we end the stream? If you'd like to hear more of me, you can go to, I have a website, politicalislam.com. You can see all my books there. But what I would say to everyone is you need to educate yourself about, in particular, who Muhammad is. Not so much about Allah, but particularly Muhammad. You need to understand that. This is the most... I think the most serious question of the 21st century is what is the true nature of Islam? And if we do not learn the true nature of Islam, we will suffer greatly by losing our society. I'd like to thank you also for your own courage in doing this. As I said, one of the things I like about your web page, it says, proud Kafir. And I'm a proud Kafir too, so you and I, in a sense, are brothers, brother Kafirs. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening. If you would like to learn more, please go to politicalislam.com or cspii.org.